first, if you didn't see this, chance to impact the next members of the USF Athletics Hall of Fame. Head to GoUSFBulls.com right away, even before the article. You can get the link to where you can yourself submit nominations. I love this concept, by the way. And this is for the next class, the Hall of Fame class of 2022. Nominations are being submitted until March 18th. It can be a former coach, administrator, or, of course, student-athlete. You must be four years removed from your career. And this list, unless you're somebody that's always negative on Twitter, then they'll toss it in the garbage. This list will be perused, I'm sure, by the members of a nine-member committee. And the Hall of Fame induction ceremony will come alongside of a home football game through that weekend with all those details coming at a later time. The... Hall of Fame began in 2009. If you go back to GoUSFBulls.com, it lists them all for you. It started off that first class with former AD Dick Bowers, along with Charlie Bradley, Wanda Guyton of women's basketball, Michelle Scarborough of Rifle back in the late 80s, and the 1985 Division II National Championship women's swimming team. Two sports, of course, with rifle and swimming that no longer are around at USF. But, yeah, pretty good back then. First football player to get put in there was Anthony Henry. That was in 2011. Of course, Leroy Selman, Bobby Pascal, all the names. You can see them all on GoUSFBulls.com. The most recent class, Jeff Davis of men's tennis, Matthew O'Neill, who is unbelievable in track and field, and Courtney Williams of women's basketball. In a past chat with Michael Kelly, it did sound like it's going to be the approach of taking three at a time. So even though folks like, you know, Quentin Flowers are now eligible, they may still honor some of the uh, not-so-recent players. But who knows? Quentin Flowers might get popped right in there. So that's going to be a fun discussion, I'm sure. And we'll continue to follow that. Speaking of talking with Michael Kelly... Yours truly will be doing that today alongside of A.J. Artis, who will be his guest on the new Bull Speed Ahead podcast. We're recording it around noontime. Not sure if we'll be able to get it on the air today just because we've got a basketball game to prepare for, but certainly early on Wednesday you can hear that. And speaking of basketball game to prepare for, we will get you ready for tonight's women's basketball action, not just in our second segment of this show with some of the highlights of the year, but with some of the games of the year on Tuesday afternoon, and that'll lead up to our special early pregame time of 6.30. Again, we'll talk about women's basketball here shortly, but now, yeah, of course, of course, Georgina Corrick was going to be named the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week, and they are going to have to give strong consideration to just renaming that the Georgina Corrick Award. In all seriousness, it's not going to be that easy, and I could think of once we get into conference season, you've got some strong competition in the league. Teams like Wichita and UCF are really loading up on the competition, and those are going to be some series we look forward to down the line. We are going to attempt to broadcast as many games as we can this year. No doubt about that. This weekend, if we do, it's only going to be simulcast because, well, baseball, we're working on something, and hopefully we can announce that later on today and certainly on tomorrow's show. But softball, there's just not going to be enough live bodies because I'm going to be on the road with women's basketball, and Jay Retcher is going to be in Nashville with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're back at home, though, and certainly you can come by and watch a team that you think after what happened these first two weekends should be able to roll, and that's kind of the beauty of what they did. You knew the schedule was tough, and frankly, it always is, and in recent years, the Bulls have started off against a strong schedule and basically started on the losing side a couple of years back. It was an 0-6 beginning, so to go 6-2 and 
against their schedule has them ranked. D1 Softball has the Bulls at number 22, just behind another team that popped into the top 25. That'd be Auburn, the only team they lost to. If you're wondering, Oklahoma State, who the Bulls beat notably on Saturday, dropped to 11 despite losing three games in Clearwater. That's how strong the field was. A team could lose three times and almost stay in the top 10. And you look at the top 25, and so many teams that played in Clearwater are in it. Florida State, which was the only team that came out unscathed, is 10-0, is fourth. Washington, which only lost once, is fifth. UCLA is sixth. They were there. Northwestern, which made a nice splash, is in 10th place. Clemson, which did well, is in 13th. Yeah, a lot of teams that played in Clearwater are there. Michigan, who did play over in that event and, of course, played in Tampa and lost to Georgina Cork in the Bulls last weekend, is still in the top 20 at 17th. The top three were not there. Oklahoma, Alabama, and Florida, team that beat the Bulls last weekend and is 10-0 on the year. Now you get to the part of the schedule where, frankly, there are some more wins to be had and racked up. And someone's going to have to get them besides Georgina Cork, but she has pitched five games so far, and she has won all five of them, including all three that she did in Clearwater. Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Wisconsin, 34 innings, 50 strikeouts to just three walks for the season, specifically last weekend in the 21 innings, 28 strikeouts, just three walks, and one earned run, the only earned run she's allowed all year, a .21 ERA. Good thing is, she's definitely getting a little bit more run support this year, and Josie Foreman was the one that got chosen by the conference. There were definitely some competitors on our own team that could have made the weekly honor roll. Basically, it's the team of the week. You have a pitcher of the week, a player of the week in this case, deservedly so to Wichita State's Sydney McKinney. Wichita State was ranked and fell out after going 2-2. Two and two. They lost to 10th-ranked Arkansas 7-4, but they were down 7 nothing in that game, and they got held down by Longwood along with winning a couple of games. But McKinney hit 438 with five extra base hits in that weekend event. The weekly honor roll featured some good performers, including UCF Savannah Adams, who hit 444 as they went 2-4 and four in Clearwater. Also, Josie Foreman of the Bulls, not just what she does at the plate, but also catching and calling her own game with Georgina Corrick. She is her personal catcher, and she took over those duties as a freshman last year, and she continues it this year. She went 3-for-3 three three with an RBI against Notre Dame, 2-for-4 with a double and scoring a run against Oklahoma State. Big factor in their wins. And hopefully you saw the video. If you didn't, you can go to my Twitter page. She loved it. I was watching back some of the highlights of the ESPN Plus replay, in particular the game against Wisconsin, the big comeback, and on the Megan Sheehan tying hit with two outs in the bottom of the six. You know, sometimes when you're going back and watching a game on ESPN Plus, it freezes up the video, and it always does at the same time. You can go back and fix it, but I didn't want to fix it because it was a big hit. It was a nice highlight, and it froze right in the middle of Josie Foreman jumping halfway through the sky. It was pretty funny if you go to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. You can see it. But Josie Foreman wins a spot on the American Athletic Conference Weekly Honor Roll. And again, the Bulls go 6-2 and two and get ranked against very tough competition. Now you look at who's coming to town. Three teams that between them just have three wins. Now they're from up north, so some of them haven't played but one weekend. In fact, the St. John's Red Storm just played two weekends ago 
and went 0-4. Now, they played Auburn twice, and as we've learned, that's not an easy task, but they also lost two games to UMass Lowell. Another team that's coming, the other SJU, St. Joseph's, is 2-7. Started off its season in Atlanta, went 0-5, lost to Georgia Tech a couple of times, to Marshall a couple of times in Villanova. Then played in the Retriever Round Robin last weekend, Maryland-Baltimore County, the Retrievers, and went 2-2, two two, basically splitting with the hosts and with Seton Hall. And the other team that's coming to town is Fairfield, which started off 1-4, began its season last weekend in Raleigh, North Carolina, had to face NC State a couple times, also lost two one-run games to Lehigh, and one win against Mount St. Mary's. My point is, it's looking like the Bulls can maybe add another handful of wins this weekend. My guess is Georgina Cork will start three of those games. You could see Aaron Pepping and Cam Dolby get some starts as well. And someone else is going to have to come up and get a W. Pepping was able to do it in the first weekend, I would imagine. Someone not named Georgina Cork gets a W next to their name right now. It's just Pepping and Cork as the Bulls are six and two with Cork getting five of those six wins. Baseball, I thought Carmine Lane should have gotten honors on the weekly list as it was. I don't know how I feel about this. UCF got both pitcher and player of the week, but they played vastly inferior opposition going up against Siena. It was UCF and Tulane going 3-0 and over the first weekend. So if you want to check out what they did, it's detailed on Around the American. Again, that's on our SoundCloud page. Just go to SoundCloud, type USF. You can also hear what East Carolina, the favorite in baseball, did getting swept by Bryant over the weekend, although Bryant is now ranked in the top 25, and we'll keep an eye on if UConn and or Charlotte start to get ranked here shortly. I wouldn't be surprised in either case. Saw the Florida Gators, who of course we last left off with the baseball team taking down and then ended up getting swept out of the Gainesville Regional stunningly by South Alabama. They lost their series to Liberty, but it's like all the national rankings kind of adjusted and put Liberty just ahead of the Florida Gators. By the same token, East Carolina precipitously dropped, including out of most polls, but one poll still had them hanging on at number 25, and two had Bryant, the team that beat them ranked Texas, the team, of course, that ended the bowl season last year, is pretty much the consensus number one, and then it's a ton of SEC teams in general after that, but good to see some other names in there as well. Long Beach State took two or three from Mississippi State, so all of a sudden, Long Beach State is in everybody's top tens very early in the season, and the Bulls continue it with Stony Brook this weekend. The Seawolves won their regular season title last year, but because they lost their first game in the conference tournament, and they were the hosts, and weather did not allow them to finish that tournament, they did not get the automatic bid. They started off their season at McNeese State and lost two of three. So a couple of one and two teams beginning their series later on this week. And again, we hope to have live broadcasters for that as opposed to the original plan of simulcasting it. And hopefully on Tuesday night's broadcast of women's basketball, we'll have a special announcement as to who will be broadcasting those games. Hopefully. We do know we will be broadcasting the women's basketball game tonight starting at 6.30. Why so early? Oh, it's a special day with our radio partners at WDAE broadcasting live from the Yingling Center. We'll tell you about that. We'll tell you about the opponent. And we'll give you a little catch-up with some highlights of what has gone on so far this year for the Bulls of Jose Fernandez. That's next on Bulls Beat.